you know, when I was younger, we wanted to have gigs. So we played cover songs and cover songs and made sure that that uh, clubs and bars would hire us so people out there would hear things that were familiar. And time goes by, and, you know, you're, you're 15, 20 years later, and you, you sit there and you say, I really haven't created anything. Um, for me, that wake-up call was in my early 40s. So it's, you know, never too late. But for a young person... Uh, I know you got to work and make a living and, and, and do gigs and get paid. But at the same time, focus on creating original new music. Hello and welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show. Today's guest is singer-songwriter John Vento. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. I'm really curious about the soundtrack you wrote. Is that for a live production? Yes. Well, it actually, the, the album came first. And as we were mixing the, uh, mixing the album last spring, I presented the songs to a playwright that I know here in Pittsburgh. And I shared with her the story behind the tracks and asked if it was uh, something she might consider to bring to life in a, in a stage play, a live production. Mm-hmm. And she just loved it and jumped on it. And um, actually, she's the one that came up with the title of the album. The album was originally called Follow Your Heart. That was the title track. And she came up but, with Love, Lust, and Other Wreckage? Yes, because it's it defines exactly what uh, what the story is all about. Well, that almost seems like it uh, was uh, reverse engineered. It started out with the music. Well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I always thought it would be a challenge to write, you know, around a story or something like that. But yeah, it's funny that you say that reverse engineering because uh, uh, I've called the whole project in the recording process design build because uh, <laughs> we really went into the studio with just sketches. We we had absolutely no... What a very expensive way to do it, too. <laughs> I, I would not recommend that to anybody else or any band. Yeah, I was going to you know, You'd like to go into the studio prepared. Yeah, it sounds challenging. But you've written a lot of music. I, I'm looking at the three albums that you have here. Are they all original? They're all your music? Yeah, yeah, they're all original. On this new one, Love, Lust, and Other Wreckage, we have a Tom Waits cover. And we really had no intention of using any covers, but that song just spoke perfectly to the, you know, to the story. So Baby Blues, that's the one that caught my ear right off the bat. What's that one about? That's all about regret. Uh, you know, when you lose something uh, and you look in the mirror and say, well, I'm the one that caused that loss or created that pain, and uh, you can't undo it as hard as you try. That was the very first song that we wrote on the album. And it was very, very personal for me. I was getting over some serious health issues. Uh, This was about two years ago. They were pretty significant. And uh, a friend and uh, the co-writer, Bert Lobel, who you'll see his name all over the album, is a 
primary writer, we had a pretty serious heart-to-heart conversation about some things and where we were in our lives, and uh, what spun out of that was Baby Blues. So, yeah, I read you had cancer problems. Yeah, I did. I did. I had kidney cancer, and it happened pretty... Well, the cancer didn't happen quickly, but diagnosing it and dealing with it um, happened quickly, and I feel very lucky, and I'm I'm very blessed. 
So you're there's a lot of folks with uh, first a lot of people have that horrible. I hate that c word. You know. Oh God, yeah. Uh, but, it just sucks, and so many of us have had friends and family uh, affected and lost. Uh, so I got pretty lucky. They they found it and uh, moved quickly to uh, have surgery and remove my left kidney, which I didn't like that one anyhow. To be honest with you, I never did like. So it. you had a so, favorite then. I my my right one's my favorite and. She's still with me. So. <laughs> that's good. Well, you maintain your sense of humor. I think that's a valuable <laughs> thing to have. Yeah, but you're you're healthy. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I feel very blessed and very lucky. And then out of it came this this project. I mean, Baby Blues was the launching point of the record. So that kind of kicked off the inspiration for the rest of the content of the record then, or...? It did. It did. Um, actually, I got to give Bert some a lot of credit because the next couple tracks we worked on, the subject was not a subject of relationship or love or love lost or any of that. It was kind of mundane stuff, and um, it was Bert that came up with the idea of having more of a thematic approach lyrically. And uh, together with Dave Granati, our producer, we all latched onto that, and then later brought in. Um, Cheryl Ann Hawk, who is the only background vocalist, and you know, and it's more than background. She's a prominent performer on the album, and also served as a co-writer on many of the tracks. We wanted to get a woman's input uh, on the story, and she was just a, a great, a great choice to do that. It sounds like you you got a good team. A great team, uh, great collaborators who really poured their heart into this record and who understood the mission uh, and who are still a part of it in many ways. It's, you know, it's really cool when you have people who share the passion of what the, of what the vision is for the project. Can't go wrong. How long have you been playing? Nope. Uh, I'm kind of a late bloomer, but, you know, very seriously. It, I'm 57 years old, and I would say on a serious level, I've been performing and recording for about 17 years. So I went through a marriage separation and divorce and was able to then pursue music on a much greater level um, than previously. I, I dabbled when I was younger, but never really understood the craft or what it took, the work that it takes to, to develop original music and to uh, record and, and perform. So uh, I feel like I'm in my mid-30s, you know, because I'm just kind of getting started. <laughs> I think you are. You sound, you sound young. and you're, Yeah. So uh, you've probably been a fan of music your whole life. Who were your early influences? Uh, well, of course, you know, we all say the Beatles, but I'm going to even get weird on you and tell you Neil Sedaka, the Beach Boys, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. I love that stuff. Yeah, and I like the heavy stuff, too. I, I liked... You know, I love the British Invasion, and my favorite by far is the Animals. Eric Burden is uh, is a real rock and roll hero in my eyes. And then, from a folk standpoint, um, my all-time favorite is Harry Chapin, and I had an, the honor to meet him. Oh, really? Uh, a month before he died. Oh, yeah. wow. So I always thought he'd be, if I could select a mentor for songwriting, he'd be a good guy to talk to. Yeah, that's a, you know what, that's a great way to put it. I sat next to him on a flight from... New York City to uh, Detroit, Michigan, and it was one of the most wonderful conversations that uh, I ever had with any other human being. Wow. And sadly, a month later, he was gone. 
Yeah, that is sad, but that's very fortunate for you. Not a lot of people can say that. You, you had a full-fledged conversation with him. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. For an hour and a half, it was just... So as part of our live show, we perform uh, Taxi, which is a tricky little tricky little song. Uh, and I'm blessed to have the players that can pull it off. And I always tell the story of that flight sitting next to Harry Chapin and yeah. that wonderful conversation. I think the stories are important, too. He was a story guy. But, yeah, to tell the story that oh, yeah. you actually spoke with him and uh, had eye contact with him and, and those kind of things. That's a really yep. cool thing. What is the very best concert you've ever been to? Wow, that's a tough one, but I'd have to say uh, 1978 Bruce Springsteen. I knew it. Uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town tour. Wow. Uh, you know, he just he made his comeback after he was away for three years from the legal BS, and he came to a small theater in Pittsburgh, and he actually played uh, two nights in August, and he played two nights in December. And I didn't even know who in the hell he was. Oh, wow. Uh, my, my cousins took me, and we had front row seats. Jeez. So that was pretty memorable. I uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young might have been second. Wow, yeah, there was a vocal group. You don't hear a lot of vocal groups like that anymore. But you don't hear really music being performed much anymore, I, sadly. You are refreshing, I have to say. And uh, in reading about you, they're trying to, you know, what genre is he and all this. Uh, wow, it's uh, yeah, and that was part of the issue. Was we can't pigeonhole this guy. What the heck? He's, a, I think the word chameleon was used, but uh, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, if you can do do it, express yourself. You know, it's it's a full spectrum. Yeah, I, I you know I perform with a group called the uh, Businessmen here in Pittsburgh sometimes, and it's a full six piece horn section, and it's Chicago uh-huh. and that kind of vibe. And cool. And I also love to strip it way back in coffee shops, accompanied by an acoustic guitar player. And then I have a group uh, called the Needs Hotel Band, which is a little more high-powered rock and R&B. So it's it's all music, you know. It's just it's all about the passion of sharing the music and not necessarily being pigeon pigeonholed into a genre. It's funny you would mention Springsteen. I'm- I got the uh, cut his book, but I got it on Audible because I heard he narrated it. And uh, I'm on, I'm going through it the second time. It's quite lengthy, and the guy is so articulate you can't believe it. You almost have to get your dictionary okay. out sometimes. Yeah, is that his autobiographical? Yes. Is that Born to Run? Born to Run. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I tried to read it. It's awful long, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Get the Audible version and uh, just kind of kick back and listen to it a little bit at a time. I think I'm on episode 49 right now. <laughs> but it is wow. so, His songs are the, the same way. But what he points out, and this reflects on you a lot, is he said he's never worked in a factory in his life. Basically, what he's done right. is played rock his whole life, but and he right. acts like that wasn't hard work, and you know it is, and especially the way he writes. His songs are long; they're thought out, and he, he broke out of the, the next Bob Dylan thing, and he went on to become Bruce Springsteen. But he said it's right. all all theatrics. So what he's doing, it's coming from his heart and everything, but he's purposely going out and performing a theater piece, and, and here you are. Yeah, yeah, and you know, his thing on Broadway, which is, was a smashing success, and it's on Netflix, his one-man show on Broadway, I mean, really brings it to a head in his career. I saw because that. He did, he did say that. 
Oh, did you see it? Yeah, what did you think? I watched it. Uh, very fascinating. He's very humble, and yeah, he's he's like I said, articulate. He's very good at explaining where he came from, what he was doing. Um, he doesn't talk about you know his platinum records or stuff like that. He doesn't. I, that's not what he's right. about. Yeah. Sometimes it's funny. He, he got into uh, when you go through the book anyway. He doesn't do this on the Broadway production, but he talks about all the business problems that he ran into and a contract he signed early on and it got him in trouble and boy that's a recurring theme musicians aren't noted for being good business people uh oh absolutely he being one he got the yeah the the upper hand but yeah the broadway thing is super cool he did some big numbers you talk about business yeah i mean i read somewhere that he exceeded the revenue of uh uh, you know Hamilton, which was the number one grossing oh, really? performance, and he passed that up. Yep. And it's just one guy. He brings his wife out for a little bit at the end. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he can captivate an audience like nobody. Well, he has quite a command of the English language. Yeah. Credit for that. It, it, and back to the book, it sounded like he avoided school at all costs. So he knew what he uh-huh, wanted. Yeah. But there are books everywhere, so you can you can be self-taught, and you know. You probably learned guitar as a self-taught project, correct? I actually, I don't play guitar. Oh, you don't? Uh, I no, no. I'm always, I'm a singer, and when I write, I have ideas in my head that I communicate through singing and through verbal with um, collaborators. And I've been very blessed to have such great musicians around me. And on this project, David Granati, who is a producer, is the primary guitar player. Oh wow! Um, on I... the record. So it's kind of I'm kind of like a weird dude that uh, <laughs> with no schooling of music and no understanding of the formality of music, and I just come up with things that um, and ideas, and uh, you know it's kind of like I speak a different language, and I've been so lucky to find people that translate it for me. Wow, that takes a lot of uh, just jumping in and doing it and handling. Uh the humility of it sometimes because yeah how do you explain yeah. uh, <laughs> i don't know um you look good with a guitar i've seen pictures of you with a guitar so that's important uh, yeah, probably <laughs> just having fun <laughs> <laughs> well, you had me fooled <laughs> smoke and mirrors you should have just there gone go. with it yeah yeah you could have told me that you taught everybody in the world how to play and i would have believed you but no. Oh, your players are no, good. No, I like, I like to keep it straight. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rainbows and Lightning. Well, that's a fun song, and that really, I think, of all the songs on the album, kind of demonstrates um, a, a love relationship or, or a relationship of any kind. You know, the rainbows are beautiful and colorful and warm and fun, and that's love. And then all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, lightning strikes, and man, things can go downhill in a hurry. You know, and that represents the pain and the stress. Uh, and that song was co-written with uh, Cheryl Ann Hawk, who was featured on it as a vocalist and as a writer. And it occurred quite accidentally. We had taken a little drive to get away to, to do some writing, and... Um, we had a really weird occurrence where we arrived in this small town in Pennsylvania and a a rainstorm had just finished. There was a beautiful rainbow. And then right on top of the rainbow were these lightning strikes. Wow. And I kind of looked at her and she looked at me and, and, 
and I said, "There's our, there's our song. There, that, it's right there." And away we went and had that thing done. Ran to the studio the next day, and and um, she did a wonderful job leading leading the charge. But but that's you know the the title says it all, and it uh, also is again reflective of the ups and downs of a relationship and the struggle to maintain one. And musicians really struggle with that. Uh, I can't speak for all, just 99% of us. Okay, well, you can speak for me. Yes, I fit into that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do that, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Welcome aboard. Pictures of pictures and pictures of frames Looking through lenses for a sparkle of flame If I can see a love that looks like success Maybe next time I won't make such a mess Searching for something with no shame and no blame A picture-perfect love that's not just a game Back in a movie on a bench in the park Thought I could find the look of love from afar Then into focus much to my surprise There stood an angel looking into my I put love in a frame From that perspective It just isn't the same As being there And seeing how hard I fail Catching my breath Between heaven and hell Love can be frightening But it's beautiful too Rainbows and lightning Between me and you
Yeah, it is. It's uh, probably the hardest thing to do, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, and I well, the lifestyle doesn't gear itself toward traditional, you know, a traditional relationship. So traveling with the circus and living like a pirate uh, that doesn't fit in, <laughs> fit in well with the... no, 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 it really doesn't. <laughs> okay, and, you know, it, I, uh, you know, I talked to some of the guys at first. You meet. You meet someone, you meet a beautiful woman, and she loves it. She loves the band and the gigs and the clubs. And then it normally doesn't take long for them to get sick of it. You know, and that's the struggle. What's the one true love being the music? And it really takes a strong partner to understand that and realize, you know, where things stand. That it's not all rainbows. It's not all. That's why the end, you know, the song is uh, three quarters of it is really nice and fluffy and uh, beautiful and then at the end it gets a little raunchy and uh, that's when we talk about the, the uh, broken bones and wreckage and clearly you don't have to play an instrument to write songs no no you don't you know um, I'd say for a young and up and coming musician is to focus on originality you know when I was younger we wanted to have gigs so we played cover songs and cover songs and made sure that that uh, clubs and bars would hire us so people out there would hear things that were familiar. And time goes by, and, you know, you're, you're 15, 20 years later, and you, you sit there and you say, I really haven't created anything. Um, for me, that wake-up call was in my early 40s. So it's, you know, never too late. But for a young person, uh, I know you got to work and make a living and, and, and do gigs and get paid. At the same time, focus on creating original, new music. Great advice. I, I would totally recommend that. And that's that's what this uh, podcast is really about, is songwriters and creativity. And I think if there were more people being creative and you know doing something on a positive note, rather than complaining about all the things that are out there that are you know can be complained about all day long i think it'd be a better world yep. and it doesn't necessarily need to be writing songs it could be <laughs> crocheting or painting or whatever you know yep. but but that that's important i like that message couldn't agree more yeah we waste a lot of energy complaining instead of trying to change things yeah and if you exercise that complain muscle a lot you get really good at complaining about everything and i know <laughs> I know people that can, you know, they complain about a sunny day, you know. And it's like, no, man, it's... Uh... Yeah, I hear you on that one, brother. All right, John, well, I'll let you get back to what you're doing, and I'll edit this all out and make you shine. <laughs> and uh, you can have a little cough. Thank you, my brother. A cough going on. I've been sick since October. I'm... Oh, damn, am I... And I'll tell you what, I've had some rough gigs. They were scary. Oh, that is tough. So I, I wish I did play guitar, because then you could change the strings and... <laughs> You turn in the air, you know. You turn on the amp. Yeah. I have a Dupuytren's contracture in my hands, so they're, the tendons are shortening. So your hands slowly turn oh, into this. Yeah, and I'm a guitar player, so but oh. if you really want to do something, nothing will stop you. So I've just figured out right. different ways to do the chords. If it was a clarinet, I'd be screwed because you can't move the holes around. Ah. But with a guitar, you could like you know, you could tune it differently or. Or play bass, or, or play slide, or sure, or something. So yeah, capos can help, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, initially I tune the strings down a step, and then I put a capo to put the tuning back up a step, 
Now he had really slack strings, really squishy. They didn't sound very good, but you could bend notes and you know play like blues licks and stuff like that on an acoustic really easily. <laughs> I'm babbling. Yeah. Are you are you out? To, you're out in Washington uh, just, State. Yeah, just north of Seattle. Just uh, yeah. I've uh, recently made friends with uh, over the past couple of years with a bunch of guys from Portland, Oregon. Um, Gino Vanelli's band are all from Portland, and they've been in Pittsburgh a few times. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're all in Portland. What a band he has. Wow. So he's still gigging? I never yeah. hear about him. I don't, I don't oh, know. yeah. His shows are phenomenal. Yeah, he had he a... plays smaller venues, small theaters. Look him up. You'll, you'll tell you what, it blows me away every time I see him. I just saw them in Cleveland a couple months ago. He had an album called, like, Gist of the Gemini, I think it was called. Wow. Oh, yeah. Way, way better. Yeah, brother to Brother. Love of My Life was the song off it. I heard the first time I heard him sing, and wow, what a set of pipes that dude has. Oh, he still does. 60, I think he's 65 or 66 years old. Oh, wow. That's cool. And you know, he always, you know, a lot of people thought of him as a pretty boy sex symbol that sang these love songs, but his bands were so sophisticated and skilled, always surrounded by some of the best musicians in the world. And he's from Portland? Uh, yeah. They all, he lives in Portland, and his whole band lives in Portland. Oh, wow. Yeah. He gathered these guys together like 10, 12 years ago, and they're phenomenal. That's good to hear. I'm going to poke around and see what yeah. I can find on him. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing the music and getting independent artists uh out there. I really do. Thank you so much. Nothing more fun. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Day a bit better.